Hey there. What's happening, my friend? How are you? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? What's happening? I'm good. I'm excited. British horror is continuing. UK horror keeps going. It does. All hammer, all the time. It's an endless, it's an endless diversion. It yeah. really is. We should have called it hammer horror because it's, it's really, it really, I think, I, I guess they're all, I mean, I know our last one is hammer. I, I, what is our, what is next week's uh, Next film? week is the curse of the werewolf which is also, also hammer. hammer it's hammer and, time yeah that's right there you go except we're not wearing the silly pants it's it's a you know uk hard goes really deep and it's not just hammer hammer was like a big part of it all but there's some interesting uh other outliers other i stuff. came across th- this kind of started because i came across a really um interesting article at the beginning of lockdown um edgar wright the filmmaker was talking about um, being friends with people like Marty Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino and what that's right. like. And what that's like is Marty Scorsese emails you and says, Hey, do you, you know, do you know a lot about British horror? You're British. And he goes, yeah, I do. He goes, would you like to see my list? <laughs> and Scorsese sent him his top 50, not just like these are 50 films. I know that were made in England. These are my 50 favorite sci-fi horror themed action noir films that you've never heard of okay now edgar wright is from england he didn't know half of these movies so i got that list and apparently how did you get the list it was published online oh okay i thought maybe you and i am not connected no i don't have anybody calling me up with these lists except i have to seek it out um apparently tarantino was in on this uh, thing too and so they all started watching these films and talking to each other on podcasts about them and how far down the list they'd gotten and stuff and i i got through maybe 10 of them um great stuff but it was really eye-opening and hammer i i don't even there weren't that many hammer movies or clat like classic you know vampire movies on the list at all okay well, we, I mean, we, we get to do stuff like that too. We trade lists with other people, but they're like Edgar Wright and Scorsese and Tarantino. They yeah. trade lists with people at their you trade, level. You trade lists with Lou Scorsese. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you know, uh, Mickey Wright and, yeah, uh, yeah. And, Johnny uh, Tarantino. Yeah. Johnny Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Same we, thing. We trade lists with people on our level. Yeah. This was more just to kind of say how deep the well goes here. This is we're just skimming the surface this yeah. month. Okay. Um, but uh no, this is fun because I have not I have not uh I have not been in I have not dived into this barrel uh of uh fish it's a, it's or a big monkey barrel or whatever you want to call it. Before. Big bucket of fish and chips, it's big. <laughs> yeah, a fine kettle of fish and chips. Yes. You've gotten us into this time. Um, what what are you watching this week? Anything other than what we had to watch for for this uh, fabulous festival of horror? Been a little on the busy side, must admit. Um, been a little busy. Have not had a lot of time for anything but the uh, the hammer. I, I'm th- I, we saw something, but it didn't make an impression on me clearly. Okay. How about yourself? Well, you know, no matter how busy I am, I tend to watch something else 
at night before going to bed just because I get to the point where I can't stare at the computer or look at the prices of sure. Oh, I do that too anymore. Yeah. Um, I started watching, well, you know, me, you know, that I am a huge fan of the series detective lone law guy. Yeah. That's your whole, that's your thing. It's your jam. That is my thing. So a huge fan of Jack Reacher for years and years from the very beginning, been reading that. Um, and was, uh, a little disappointed in the casting of the movie. Uh, to, I cast no aspersions on Tom Cruise or his his talent or his stardom. Um, but he's he's you know he's not six foot five, uh, and he doesn't walk into a bar or a town or a diner and cause everybody to say, "Oh, oh, uh, okay, I better might be in trouble." Um, uh, and they finally cast somebody as Jack Reacher who is um, impressive to say the least. And uh, he's a big man. He's a very I mean, big he's man. he's a good actor. He's really good in the show. But you got to say, like, the first thing you think is like, holy Moses, this guy yeah. is a big man. And they do a great job introducing Reacher in the series in that really the first time we see him is a scene where a, a, a punky guy is abusing his girlfriend and Reacher doesn't do anything except stand there and look at the guy. And the guy goes all the way from what the hell are you looking at to, I'm sorry. I know I have to change. I'll try to do better <laughs> with Reacher, not doing anything whatsoever. He just looks at him. <laughs> he just looks at him. And uh, and so that really that made me very happy. So I've been watching. I've been binging that. The only thing I, we saw the pilot and enjoyed it a lot. We'll we'll watch more. The only thing I miss, frankly, for uh, that I I will never get in the show is Werner Herzog. I miss having Werner Herzog as part of the Jack Reacher uh, uh, mythology. I know he died in the first movie, but was Werner Herzog in the first film? Yes. I believe so. I believe See, I barely he, even I barely even remember the movie. I think he is the the main bad guy from the first Jack Reacher movie. Oh, okay. That's how much of an impression that first Jack Reacher movie made on me. What can I tell you? Um, they're also doing something really interesting, I think, with Reacher's eyes in the movie. Um, and I don't think it's CGI, but I think they're they're lighting him in a way that the there is whatever key light they're using on him whatever light they're using on him is reflecting right in the center of his pupil almost all the time so it it makes him look steely and inaccessible um and a little scary looking um and i don't think it's cgi i think they're just i think they're just getting a light in there um almost like a, a ring light but it doesn't do that ring thing that's so annoying in in self tape sometimes. Well, when I have the chance to stare longingly into his eyes, <laughs> not longingly, I will. I will see, and I will have the chance to see. Not longingly, and the 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 young woman who is playing opposite him as as Roscoe the cop is doing a really spectacular job. I She's think. great. Yeah. Yeah, I like the show. The show's really uh, it's it's got me watch. It'll it'll have me watching another one, which is not an easy thing to do in this house. 
Now you haven't read mm -hmm. the, the whole thing, but but uh, Amelia's a big fan, right? Okay. Yeah, Amelia, you got Amelia hooked on it, and uh, I've I've dipped in and out, and I enjoy it. I don't think it's a thing I can stick with, you know, for long chunks. I feel like, um, you know, for me, maybe it's a little unhealthy. I feel like it maybe triggers some terrible masculine issues <laughs> that I better not, uh, you know, poke the hornet's nest too much. Or I'll sit around wishing I was just this giant man that could do anything that he wanted because he was just so damn big. Right. It's probably well, I'm not. waiting for somebody to to step up and tackle the uh, John Sanford series, which is uh, the Lucas Davenport uh, cop novels that take place in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, but there's about 30 of those. And, they never uh, tried to move any kind of spinoff or movie. I think there have been no films about Lucas Davenport or Virgil Flowers. And uh, I'd like to see somebody pull those off. But we've we, we've wandered far afield from from our topic tonight, um, which is um, it's interesting that the, the title of the movie is is Frankenstein must be destroyed. And. Um, you know, Frankenstein is is never destroyed ever. There's so. You have any idea how many Frankenstein movies there are? There's there's hundreds of them. I I don't know. <laughs> I think there's more Frankenstein movies than anything else. Is that it? Could be I mean, true. I actually never looked any it up, other but... any other movie of any kind where they've made that many. I mean, there's over fifty listed on IMDb with Frankenstein in them. In in and we're just talking movies, and then if you start getting into episodes of TV shows, it just it's in the hundred. I mean, it just it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, I'm sure Dracula gives him a run for the money. Um, uh, yeah, probably. But but uh, it's he's a, he's a very look. He's a well known character. He's been around for a long time. He's been around for a long time, and also uh, his his genesis. You know, the genesis of of Frankenstein. Going in, in, starting with the the novel, obviously, um, Frankenstein, um, or is isn't the subtitle Modern Prometheus or something like that? Um, it, it it's so the themes in it of man trying to play God, and the relationship between man and his creator uh, are. Actually, we need to just talk about British horror movies. This nobody <laughs> wants to hear about, you know, ac an academic oh. treatise on on the the Frankenstein legend. Well, okay, uh, they may, they may. You were making a point. I, maybe you're making a very interesting point. I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I, it 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 taps into something that this conflict of man wanting to be God and man wanting to create something, and then when when Victor Frankenstein creates the monster, and there's that that relationship between Im, the imperfect man, which is the 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 monster that he creates, and his creator, and why did you make me, and the way that mirrors man's relationship to our supposed creator it's it it's just there's so much material there to dig into there's a ton and it also because it it is also science fiction mm -hmm. and i think probably you know your son my nephew might argue whether it's actually science fiction or science fantasy i think when it was written and originally it was as close to science fiction 
you know, as as she could get it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. The idea of using electricity to reanimate something, and and um, you know, the idea of vi you know vivisection was a big problem and a, a big issue during the time that she wrote that book, you know. Um, right. And uh, it was a big and pol a political thing, and so I think it was uh, a very very current at the time and it hit a lot of it struck a lot of chords and what's amazing about it is how it's not just like box office uh that has driven him to be in 50 movies you know it's it's there's something like you say about the story that's that's incredibly pertinent to the modern to modern day it it's it's kept growing and expanding a and the iterations of the story have changed and kept up with the times in a way that like the Dracula myth has kind of gone backwards into more romance and fantasy. This has really consistently been like the, the story of our modern age, you know? Well, and the themes continue even in movies like in, in things like iRobot, uh, you can yeah. argue the relationship between um, Hal and Dave in 2001, you know, yeah. there's, the the our our creation being something that we ultimately can't control right well it's a, it's an alien and it's uh it's in um blade runner and it's in a lot of more modern myths and stuff yeah yeah um, um the question is whether any of that you know deep rich <laughs> evocative philosophy entered into the hammer versions of these stories and um, I think what's interesting about it is that these movies to me feel like they were clearly made by people that deeply understood these things, literate, smart people and that didn't were on, care that were all. on a holiday from all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were well, taking they, a bus they, holiday. Yeah, they yeah. depart in this movie in significant ways from that myth. Um so let's let's give. Uh, do you want to give the little recap of what uh, what we're dealing yeah, with here? Sure. Uh, we got um, Frankenstein must be destroyed from 1969, directed by Terrence Fisher. It's um, it is a uh, a Frankenstein film by which we really mean Doctor Frankenstein as he really is. It's not the monster, which was the classic, you know, Boris Karloff creation. They couldn't use any of those designs in the Hammer movies. They were actually kind of looking for trouble in a way with universal studios when they made the first one, but it was public domain as a story. They just couldn't use anything remotely like that makeup job they did on Boris Karloff. Um, anyway, this story centers around uh, Dr. Frankenstein. We get the feeling about 20 years after the events of the, of the book, right? Yes. Of the novel. And he has been on the run, hated by all of Europe, despised, kind of a doctoral Bernie Madoff character. People just don't like him around. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And um, he uh, he uh, finds himself back in, you know, uh, in town uh, under an assumed name. And uh, he is... Um, still working on his experiments, living in rental apartments and, you know, finding little places to live and do his experiments. He falls uh, into a situation where he's renting a flat from a young woman whose mother is sick and her fiance is a doctor at the local mental hospital. And he has been um, 
getting her sick mother illegal drugs to help her. He's doing a, the good, a good thing, but he's breaking the law to do it. And he's jeopardizing his career. Well, he's and, selling, he's selling the illegal drugs, the cocaine in order to pay for the mother. Oh, that's care. right. I thought yeah. it was that he needed the drugs for her to actually administer to her. No, it's just very expensive to care for. Oh, that's right, because it's what, actually cocaine. That's right. I yeah, forget. It's cocaine. Drops, this is a, this is a Frankenstein movie in which in which a, a, an eight ball of cocaine is dropped on a doorstep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, this young uh, couple is struggling with this situation, and in comes um, Baron von Frankenstein looking for a new apartment, and he 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 gets the uh, the sublet, he gets the place, and he sets up shop, and immediately finds out the, the dirt on this couple, and since he needs access to the mental institution for brains, as you do, as you do, he uh, he blackmails this young man uh, to get his, enlist his help to right. um, get a uh, brain, a brain from the mental institute. Not just any brain, though. Whose brain? The brain of his former partner who went mad working on the experiments they were working on, mm -hmm. but also has the secret that, that Baron von Frankenstein needs in order to succeed as his experiments. So he's going to transplant the crazy man's brain into another body and mm -hmm. cure him so that he can get the secret formula and um things go amok they uh, they are mucky yeah they get they, very mucky they don't go well um there there is I, I i quibble uh with some of the science in the movie do you and wow. i do and we'll get to this, it I this have was 1967 or no, 1969 I, you know no, give them I, a break <laughs> i um no there there are th there are th wait, there are leaps i am willing to take I'm willing to go with you on your on your fictional fantastical voyage. But as you go down that fictional fantastical voyage, you better stick to your own darn rules mm. that you create. And I, mm -hmm. I have some quibbles with it. I'll I'll point them out later. Yeah. But um, but uh I had a tremendous amount of fun watching this movie. This is um, a surprise one. This would surprise me. Well, watching let's start with with Peter Cushing as Baron Victor, as he pronounce it, pronounces it, Frankenstein. He, Frankenstein, yeah. He says it correct. He says it the Gene Wilder way. Yes. Um, <laughs> He's a professional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's so much fun watching him after seeing him in uh, The Brides of Dracula. Isn't it? Watching him play somebody just... Just bad. irredeemably bad. He's one of the worst dudes in a movie. And the fact that he can play, you've hit on something great. The fact to me that he can play the a Van Helsing that is like an angelic character, somebody who is good through and through yeah, and, and just kind and yeah. heroic and gentlemanly. And you wouldn't think of him behaving poorly no. unless you're a vampire. You know, to cut to this where where he is just a raving lunatic, like maniacally evil, yeah, horrible, horrible man, and plays so so believably into that. I so you're starting to um, get a little bit of the the Peter Cushing uh, bug, huh? You're starting to oh see... oh yeah, I thought he was he was terrific. He's great. He's great. His physicality is spectacular his his uh willingness to to kill anybody who gets in his way yeah, yeah but you know it's interesting they still they still squeeze this thing in there of that he's 
doing it for a nobler cause. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess in this movie, I felt like that voice was coming from him. Like that, that was him constantly saying like, you know, I'm doing, you know, it's for the science and it's for mankind yes. and progression, but you know, there's a, there's a line we'll get to that is my favorite line I've ever now it's my I wish I it's my I'm going to make it my fetch me the grub worms <laughs> fetch me the grub worm yeah um which typifies I don't know to me his take on all of it and his sense of humor and what's so great about this movie okay and what what is this line oh well this line comes later in the late in the movie where at he's surprised by the wife of the brain transplant victim of the new monster. Yes. At his door who recognized him in the street from yes. the old days. And he thinks quickly on his feet and he invites her in immediately and says, I've actually done something for you. I've saved your husband. I rescued him from the mental institution and I made him sane again. He doesn't mention, you know, there's, there might be one or two things a little funny about him now, but he kind of calms her down. And she's about to leave and he goes, but you know, you, um, you, you, there's just one thing. <laughs> and she's like, what? He goes, you know, you can't say any of this to people. You can't, um, you can't tell anybody about this because I, I have seriously broken the law. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughs when he says it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, it's so funny. Um, to say the least, I have. <laughs> I have broken the law. Seriously, broken the law. M murdering people, maybe, perhaps. Burying them in the backyard. <laughs> he sexually assaults people. I mean, he's just a horrible person. Well, so some of the things that I just loved about this movie that I want to talk about are, well, first of all, the beheading at the beginning. That's how he, it starts. It starts with him beheading somebody because he needs a brain. That's how we're introduced to the wonderful Baron von Frankenstein. Uh, great blood spatter that hammer red I, yeah. I actually think that should be a color you know at at the hardware store you should be able to go in there yeah, and ask hammer them, red. what color do you want scarlet strawberry no i think i'd like hammer red in in the makeup world i think there is that is a thing people say like oh really yeah yeah it's it's a particular kind of red and he's being so quiet at the beginning he his little dainty Dr. Frankenstein comes on dainty little feet to chop your head off. And then he's got this great, they do this great twist at the beginning where we, when we finally see him, we just see his feet through the whole first murder, chopping the guy's head off. And then we finally see him and it's this horrible, disfigured, uh, acid burned, bald, horrible face. And I thought, Oh my God, that's that's where they're going with Frankenstein in this movie. I couldn't believe it. And then, and then it's a Mission Impossible stripping off yes. of that face, and you realize, oh my gosh, it's just a disguise. Yeah, but it's such a brilliant thing because it's like this is what he really is. Like they show us his true face. Oh, that's true. That's really smart. Before yeah. we see the 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 elegant, classy yeah. Peter Cushing. Face. That's really smart. That's a good good. That's a a good thing to notice wow yeah um and also how they you know he, they also you assume that's frank that's the frankenstein monster yeah you're kind of assuming that he's trained the monster to go kill for him at this point right and that he's kind of like a 
you know, just like his little buddy who he takes all over Europe, but it's not. <laughs> no, no, it's just him. Um, they also have this great jump cut from the, um, oh, you'll find it very quiet here. <laughs> Smash cut to somebody screaming after yes. discovering one of the bodies. Yes. Um, yeah. Which actually or is it, got... or is it, uh, or are they screaming because it's a spider girl in the mental institution? Oh, that's what it is. It's her. Yeah, it's the, the, yeah. there's a poor woman in the mental hospital who is convinced that spiders attack her and, and right. crawl on her skin, and uh, she she plays a pivotal role in the movie. And her screaming, she has fits where she thinks that this is happening, and that plays a pivotal role. Right. In, in what's the most interesting thing to me about the movie, um, in that section. There's a long section in the middle. Did I interrupt you though? I didn't mean to. You no, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I got a really strong, like this felt a little bit almost like a, the rogue one of Frankenstein movies. Uh-huh. You know, rogue one. Did you see yeah. that? Yeah. One? It's, a, it's an origin story. Well, it's actually not. It, it, it's, it's a sidebar, right? It, it, it's not actually got anything to do with the story. But it's like, it's kind of like a, a day in the life of Dr. Frankenstein. Like, this is like one of his cases. And so the whole middle section turns into like a, a heist movie where he the he and this doctor he's blackmailing have to break into the to the mental institution. And they spend so much time on that in the middle of the movie of like planning it and getting the guy and then the whole thing that it's it's turns into like a heist thing, which... I thought was a great way to take like a great, just very modern way to kind of like take this old story about Baron von Frankenstein into a, just a new place where the plot didn't have to be about the monster anymore or, right. or him or any of it. It was just a completely new set of rules for a while. And, um, and then it kind of remains that way. It, it, it takes some surprising turns. I thought, the yeah. end, the end, like last quarter of it or third, turning into a a, a movie like like a weird Ionesco two hander between the wife of the doc, like two people that aren't really main characters, and they're right. <laughs> the head, the head swap guy and his wife, and his wife, and yeah. they they end up being like the main characters of the last third of the movie. Almost, it's yeah. very strange, very very weird stuff in there. Um, the um the uh what did i want to say oh when when they get to the um swapping of the brains right um i there's a couple of things i want to point out um first of all great sound effects when they're cutting yeah good good vocal. call terribly they, they real do some great stuff of showing the the head and the the blade of the saw touching the head, and then they pan up to this look of concentration as he starts to saw, and there's just this great sound. It's um, very very realistic sounding. But then after he he puts the brain in, and uh, he takes the brain from the crazy guy, and puts it in the new body, and and puts the skull cap back on the, the top of the skull back on there's then this very serious scene where in order to cure the insanity, 
he's gonna have to drill through the top of the skull very yeah, they, carefully. He's the tree pan, the guy. Yeah, drill through very carefully, but not go too deep into the brain. He has to release the pressure, but not go too deep into the brain. Here's where the science falls apart for me. I'm starting to fuck. You, I know you where you're going. Have the top of the the skull off. Make the whole. Yeah. Which would, I would think would release a release the pressure right there, taking the top of your. You think skull that would be a yeah? Would release a lot of pressure inside your skull. Yeah. But if you need, if if you, I'll, I'll grant that after you put the brain in and put the uh, the top back on, that maybe some pressure would build up, and you need a hole there to release the pressure, yeah. like on a pressure cooker. Okay. Drill the hole before putting the top of the head back on i think you you make a really valid point and i that's uh that scientifically i think who knew that plumbing school was going to pay off for you this much (laughs) there you go um (laughs) and the other thing that i love is that when after they put the top of the skull on they have sort of some sort of plasticky or plastery type thing on top of the head to hold everything in place Mm -hmm. and did you notice what was holding that on top of the guy's head i'm pretty convinced it was electrical tape it was black i think it was black gaffer's tape it was uh, yeah black (laughs) gaffer electrical tape because that's what they used they had that back then (laughs) they did he invented well he invented a lot of things he was ahead of his time if only he had just marketed that he would have saved himself a lot of trouble and gotten rich then the other thing that I wanted to see is I want I thought it was really fascinating how when he is the first rooming house that he is in, which is sort of like a British men's club, a bunch of bachelors, it bore a remarkable resemblance to Stephen Toast's Brothers Club in Toast of London. Um, oh, yeah, true. That's true. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it's um, yes, a harumphy place, a very harumphy. And I loved every one of those actors playing the they the, were, the, uh, the bachelors, priceless in the, in the club. It as was, well as all all the characters here. I mean, there's such an array of of faces. The inspector is a character oh, I dearly okay. love. There, there we go. I mean, we have to talk about that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, just watching him you do snuff, like use the snuff box yeah. alone, and, and not just talk about him, but well, f- first of all, you know that that whole thing was added very late in the movie because they decided they needed some other comic plot line in it. Um, I didn't read that, but it, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it was all added later. And uh, even the name of the actor playing the inspector, Thorley Walters. <laughs> he, ever... he is wonderful. <laughs> he really is wonderful. Yeah. They asked him to go over the top and uh, he, he, he overshot it. Yeah. They said jump. And he said, how much over the top jumping do you want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. Snuff work was outstanding. The snuff work was was great. Um, he's he's terrific. Uh, I also thought that um, I'm not sure which police sergeant it was, Windsor Davies or Alan Surtees, because they both played the police sergeant. Yes, but the suspicious police sergeant is in the house who comes in the to house the house during the painting. Mm-hmm. 
is 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 spectacular. He's he's great. Yeah, I debated whether or not that was me. Whether um, that was going to be me in the movie. Oh, so we're getting to that. Well, early? I just you brought no. I I we don't have to do it. I just I just said I'll set it I'll set it up for later that I I thought that might be me. Not who I picked though. I don't think. I I actually thought I would be the suspicious sergeant. And oh no, I I thought for sure that you were you were the inspector's assistant who didn't want to go on the trip with the inspector. <laughs> okay. Who was disappointed when he realized that they had to go on a trip together and he hates him so much? Okay. I'll take that. I actually made you Inspector Frisch. No. I thought I thought you would have fun playing that role. Okay. Well, uh, that that's that, I would do that. I would love to play yeah. him, but I thought get, I, I thought we were talking, you know, who we were in oh. real life. Well, but we... we could do both. I mean, I I'm definitely, I mean, in real life, I'm clearly Peter Cushing. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, in the in the context of who I might be asked to, what character I'd play, I know that I would. I know that I read for the Freddie Jones character, but I didn't get it. <laughs> I read for it. I did. I did. I humiliated myself. He was wonderful. Well, Freddie Jones is great. I love him. You that remember him from other stuff? That shot of him when he first sees his wife, when he comes into the bedroom and the, the lighting on his face. Can I ask a question? I, I don't know yeah. a lot about cinematography. I don't um, either. Where is that light coming from? He's standing over his wife's bed, looking down at her. Yeah, and she's holding a spotlight. Is that what? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it's what. coming. It's coming from a small kino that's underneath the bed, shining <laughs> up. Yeah, I don't know what you're. Why I don't know what is, you're. Why is there a bright light shining directly? Maybe it's to symbolize how he feels when he looks at his wife. Well, why, why do certain props in the foreground glow with an illuminated fluorescent <laughs> glow, and others don't? I don't know. I don't know anything. But Freddie Jones, right? Great. I, I do, do you? I've always liked him. Do you like his stuff from other movies? Yeah, you, he's I mean, He's great in the Elephant Man, and um, you know, he's incredible in that movie. He's great in a Fellini movie called "And the Ship Sails On," which is a. Uh, great not seen enough that movie what did you pick as the silliest moment in this entire movie because there was one mo moment for me that that stood out head and shoulders above the rest i there's a moment that i can't i had to stop and pause and i looked at amelia and we ran it back and i i did there, it have anything to do with the newspaper no oh okay it had to do with the bed sheet Oh, all right. <laughs> um, it it was the the angle of the camera. The, they okay. Peter Cushing brings the wife of the uh, the brain transplant into the dungeon. Yeah, and he's he's like, you can't see her face yet, his face yet, but you know, here's his body, and it's under a sheet. And it's when they're going to start communicating, maybe like she'll say, you know, your wife is here. And he can only move his hand, right? He can yeah. move his hand to say yes or no. Oh, okay, there we go. And there's a shot, this wide shot, like low angle shot of the of the sheet, the guy on the sheet covering it on the bottom of the frame. And his, his face is up on the left side of the frame. And they're, you know, Cushing is leaning over him and they're asking him questions. And he's signaling with his hand. 
but yeah. it's, it's down yes. by his side. Yes, he is. So I'd like you to imagine <laughs> what that might look like if somebody, if they had their arms stretched out to their side and you were just looking at it from the side yeah. and they were moving their fingers up and down. Yeah. Where about their hand might that be on the, on the, in your mind, on the sheet there. And it really did look like he was communicating with a different part of his body. And I, <laughs> I found that to be the silliest part of the movie. I love that. That was really yeah. funny. It it reminds it reminded me of there's a there's a photograph that appeared on the front page of the art section of the New York Times many years ago when Dinner with Friends opened. And it's a shot from the end of the play, Lisa Emery and I sitting up in bed, having a very, very serious conversation. Mm -hmm. But the photograph is taken from bed level from the audience. And so my foot, is <laughs> yes, optical illusion. Up, but there's no depth of field. Right, that's it's foreshortened, of so, course. Yeah, the camera just, can't see that. Photograph right. of us having a very serious conversation, and, and there's this. Lo yeah. and behold, the show and, was a hit. Like, People just my, got tickets yeah, to that show. You're not going to believe it. It's my foot, ladies and gentlemen. That's all that was. It was a, um, it's a famous uh, story in Broadway advertising. Yeah, um, uh, it, it's uh, yeah. Um, no, my my the silliest moment to me was when the two women are talking about having seen Doctor Frankenstein. One of the women, the 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 wife of the scientist who is now getting his brain transplanted, sees Dr. Frankenstein on the street, knows that her husband worked with him and then went crazy. She hasn't seen him in five years. She sees somebody on the street, looks an awful lot like Dr. Frankenstein, and then comes back and goes through old newspapers and finds a newspaper and is looking at it and says to her friend, look, look, it was him. I would recognize him anywhere from this Hirschfeld drawing. <laughs> no. it's, it's a bad pen and ink drawing in the newspaper of Dr. Frankenstein. It's like a complete looks caricature. Like a Hirschfeld caricature of Peter Cushing. Yeah. And, and she says it as if they're looking at a photograph. Mm -hmm. They're like, yes, oh, good. Look yeah. at him. I like that we're there in Germany, but they're speaking English with British accents, but the paper's in German without yeah. subtitles. So we don't get to know what the paper says, but I got that was a little confusing. Right. Um, um, I do love very much as a silly thing the uh, for whatever reason this made me laugh hysterically was the was they're escaping with the brain transplant body the guy who has to be taken care of and they're in a <laughs> he's in a in the back of a horse drawn carriage with with the like guy wrapped up like a mummy with an intravenous tube into his face yeah, yeah. and they obviously are just have guys like moving the moving the uh wagon around it's it's pretty ridiculous this movie again has the same level of beautiful design and and like props and stuff for the most like for 80 percent of it and then you know 20 to 30 percent is like are you kidding me how why how did this go wrong yeah how did you why did that happen um what are, there were other silly things um when um when uh simon ward who's the protege the unwilling protege of dr frankenstein 
and, and he and his fiance are trying to escape. And he says to her, he says, I want you to go to the stable and harness the horses very quietly and then stay there. And she says, but Carl, I can't. I don't know how. I was like, okay. I don't know how to stay there. I don't I don't know whether <laughs> it was, I don't know how to harness the horse. Like yeah. that's the big fly in the ointment. Um I, I I will I yes, you know what? Let's 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 just say in all seriousness that that her character was a that was not really a character. Like they you know this was 1967 there there you know it's like come on guys it, it, we're we're 10 years after the last one we have the bodices and all the you know all the, the all of that going on can we at least like give her a character to play not a not no, even a chance no. um she does have that nice moment when they've buried the body in the backyard and then there's the um the water oh, the main water main, but that's a crazy scene the crazy scene I and like the hand that. coming out that was but really did creepy you, did you notice the shadow of the crew member or somebody when she's dragging the body yes. to hide it and yes then we both somebody, did we both somebody, were like that eh? uh, eh, didn't make it out of that shot <laughs> yeah um that was uh but then they get to the rape scene in case we weren't sure which side to come down on with with dr frankenstein he just rapes her brutally it's a very messed up thing yeah i mean it's it's uh it's it's needs to be mentioned because the the scene is is um uh you know why it's there there's this backstory to this is kind of interesting because yeah, i don't know you probably that. saw it because it, without context uh, it might leave a weird taste in your mouth about the whole thing, like Peter Cushing and everything. But right. but the truth of the matter is that um, they were they were both kind of forced into it. Neither Peter Cushing nor uh, Veronica Carlson wanted to do that scene. It yeah, wasn't nor in the director. The, it, yeah, the director didn't want to do it. It wasn't in the original script. They had never signed on for it. But the company, for whatever reason, uh, was demanding it and they had some reason that they thought that that's what audiences wanted to see and they just demanded that they shoot it and apparently it was a very uncomfortable and unpleasant uh, day on the set and they got they didn't even finish the scene apparently they stopped shooting kind of without even getting everything and just stopped kind of disgusted by it well it was he gone. was supposed to rip her blouse off and there was supposed to be there were supposed to be fully exposed breasts and he refused he said i won't do that right okay okay and it was apparently the american audience the distributor for the american audiences is what they were worried about not the british but they wanted that scene in there for the american audiences because by now it's like 1969 and American audiences were going further than I know. It's such a misfire though, because it's like, I mean, it's, it's, that's simply crazy because it's like, you know, what American audiences are just craving seeing more of the rapes nice and movies. I mean, it's like, I, it, 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 you know, there were movies that dealt with really, really brutal things that were starting to get made. But yeah. in most cases, they were they were at least trying to be a valid, truthful conversation about the situation rather than just like this. It's like they want a scene like that. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. Well, the rape, just the in rape scene that somebody was saying the rape scene in Bonnie and Clyde was a big hit. So let's God, uh... it's so it, it really is bizarre. And I, I 
I really can't stress enough how happy I was to hear that they um they were just really disgusted to have to do it and that they um Peter Cushing that's great that he refused to go yeah, further he, with it. He drew a line and said no. And then Every, and was very caring towards her, apparently. I mean, they were yes, they I were heard really, that. Um, uh, everybody that I uh, read up on had nothing but glowing things to say about Cushing as a person. He was apparently very, very respected and and loved guy. Carrie Fisher apparently said it was it was really hard to do those scenes because he was literally the most gentlemanly, sweet man she'd ever met. And then, you know there he is as grand moff tarkin but man when he gets when he wants to be evil oh boy I thought it was just christopher lee i hadn't seen a lot of peter cushing being evil uh actually i'd seen more of van helsing so this was a kind then, of a surprise and then christopher lee another guy who was the quintessential gentleman yes erudite erudite cultured, cultured opera singer a, a um, war hero a war yeah and then and there he goes playing these crazy yeah. roles. Well, I mean, the beauty to me, it's really it's actually like incredibly beautiful to me. I got to say, like, you know, I, I. um, The fact that these movies have a lot of really elegant, beautiful things about them helps. I mean, if they were just trash, it would be a different story, maybe. But I, the fact that, um, you know, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee showed up to take their work this seriously and and committed to every scene they did every action they did was 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 thought through as an actor it was real it was it was you know and what i read about it was that peter cushing's take on it was you know that he 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 thought that anything less would have been insulting to the audience and it, it didn't matter whether that audience came to see a horror movie or something fancy hmm. he didn't want to insult them by not giving them the full hit their his full attention you know interesting um also obviously you know i mean they weren't getting a lot of work you know it's when they started committing to this these characters that they became superstars really you know so they they were certainly rewarded for this but um i think a lot of so many people until until horror movies started getting a little bit more thoughtful respect a lot of people just thought these were just ridiculous jokes, you know? Yeah. Uh, I gave a lot of thought to the recasting of this movie. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Um, I did some. Who do you, who's your, who's your top? Well, uh, how do you want to do this? You want to do uh, Char a character at a time? Want to do a character at a time? Okay. Dr. Frankenstein. Baron Frankenstein. Um, I'm going to say. It, well, I, I I I initially said that only Tom Hiddleston could play Peter Cushing, right? Okay. But I'm going to change it up a little bit because I actually would like to cast Adrian Brody in this part. Oh, okay. I had Cumberbund Bumbersnatch. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Benedict right. Cumber. Benedict are you going to stay? Is that are you going to commit? Are you committing to that choice? You don't like? No, Benedict I think I'm just being a jerk. Yeah. Um, I think this. I think in fact, I this this is exactly where I think Benedict Cumberbatch should be. I, I think I don't really need to see him try to be a great actor anymore. I want him to see him go, go back to being Sherlock Holmes or play Peter Cushing parts yeah. in ridiculous movies and be just a classy guy. That's yeah. what I, that's where I would like to see him. Well, he is playing Dr. Strange. 
in the Marvel universe. No, so. I don't want to talk about that. Okay. Um, Carl, the um, the Simon Ward role. Who do you have playing that? Uh, uh, definitely Dane Duhon. Who's I don't know Dane Duhon. Uh, I I can't help you. you can't help me. Okay. <laughs> I will. No, I he's a, with... he's a young actor. He he was uh, he was in movies that you okay. Haven't I went seen. with Timothy Chalamet. Oh well, similar vibe. Except okay. Dane Duhon looks even more like Simon Ward, but that's the All same right. same world. Yeah. Okay. Somebody who looks broodingly off camera. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Anna. Anna is uh, Julia Stiles. Oh yeah. Okay. It's funny. We I went a similar, not not well, not not quite similar, but I thought I want to cast somebody more powerful in that role. Mm-hmm. But still having the um, Dakota Fanning, I went with. Oh, great! Okay, I like that. Okay, I like that plenty. The inspector, the inspector, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> okay, I went with <laughs> Steve Carell. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as uh, the uh, creature. As the brain transplant? The brain transplant. Um, the uh, yeah. I, I think Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, okay. I went John C. <laughs> Riley. Oh, that's good too. <laughs> John C. Riley, who actually, you know, this is that would be great because there's a little uh, Easter egg there for you in Liquor's Pizza because he plays, uh, he he appears as Frankenstein in Liquor, the movie Liquor's Pizza. Oh, okay. The suspicious sergeant. That's uh, that's mean. That's got to be mean. Or I don't you, care. I want that part. Okay, you should play that part. But I I said Will Ferrell. <laughs> oh, Will Ferrell be good. But, yeah, yeah. And then the, as Ella, the wife of the creature. Didn't I think, get, tell me you who, didn't go that far down. Didn't get that. I, didn't get her. I think it has to be Juliet Mills. <laughs> it's the wife of the creature. It almost was Juliet Mills. It almost actually, was Juliet Mills. Yeah. yeah. Um, showing. Let's face it, no restraint whatsoever on the brakes. She didn't put the acting brakes on <laughs> at all, like at any point. <laughs> I've never used that phrase, but I'm going to the acting brake. Just didn't pump those brakes for a second. <laughs> Not even a courtesy tap. Like if you're fa- if I'm tailgating, you just she just was acting <laughs> as much as she speed. could. Yeah. And do you have a title for the sequel? Oh, I don't. I don't. Yeah. What would you call it? Frankenstein must still be destroyed because he just <laughs> goes on and on. Um, and uh, I, I came up with a, a way that I would like to watch this movie. Please tell me. Um, do you know about the Forever Hollywood Cemetery out here and they have the screenings of movies no, in the cemetery? Yeah. No. And you bring, a, you bring a picnic dinner and a blanket and you lay out in the cemetery and they put up a screen and you watch a movie. Are they like old movies usually or Usually, classics? yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. So the this watching this movie in a cemetery that's great. Would be terrific. I I, and, I mean my instinct is like out like a drive-in would be a great place for this, but yeah. that's perfect. And uh the double feature? I definitely want to see this movie with Pacific Heights starring um Matthew Modine and, and Michael, uh, Keaton. Michael Keaton. That's the it's basically this movie kind of is Pacific Heights. <laughs> in part of it because so much of it deals with you know the evil this evil guy 
showing up in town and trying to find a place to live and, and renting your apartment. And he right. ruins the place and destroys their life, much like Michael Keaton in uh, in Pacific Heights. So that's my double bill. How about you? Oh, I went a much more sort of obvious way. I paired it with some with Ex Machina. Oh, okay. Let's see the the other side of right um, of this legend and a more modern take on it. To, or, see, to see a more boring version of the story. Is that what yeah, you wanted to do? Yeah, sure. Okay. okay. Just, just wanted. I just wanted to see where you were. Okay. On that. Wow. Um, or the original, the Boris Karloff version, to see uh -huh. you know the traditional yeah. the 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 rehash um well i mean you know i honestly i would i would really legitimately like to sit down and take a weekend and watch all the frankenstein in a row like in a row you couldn't all do the hammer frankenstein you, all the hammer you could yeah so all the hammer want, Frankenstein. you'd have to take like a month in in somewhere to watch all the i have a month and i'm in brooklyn so i'm gonna do it I can't talk about Frankenstein uh, monsters, though, without mentioning somebody who I think was one of the most brilliant Frankenstein creatures. Did you see any of Rory Kinnear's turn as Frankenstein's creature in the series Penny Dreadful? No. Brilliant. A brilliant take on on that character, and and the and in Penny Dreadful they go much they go very deep into the much more the what was conceived of in the in the novel where the monster doesn't look like the Boris Karloff but looks like a person who is scarred up and can can pass in the real world as somebody who's just horribly disfigured and is struggling with this relationship with his creator. You know, why did you, why did you make me only to be shunned mm -hmm. father? Um, I, and I'm, I, I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not talking about our dad. I'm, I'm not having <laughs> weird. Okay. Thing. I'm glad I, to hear I, that. I wasn't having a psychotic. Break. You weren't having it. I was going to no. check and see if you're okay. Um, yeah. I love I, getting back to those guys in the 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 bachelor guys. Mm. You know how they show up in the in the uh in the credits? No, what are they named? Um Norman Shelley as guest, smoking pipe. Michael Gover as guest, reading newspaper. George Belbin as guest, playing chess. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. When you think about it, Matthew, you've got to admit those are the parts that we would have. We would get yes. some one of those roles. Oh, and they'd be fun. They looked like they were having a ball. Yeah. Well, th I'm sure they were old friends. They were probably yeah. all in a show together at the time. You know, who knows? They were all. That's the great thing about these movies is that you could really think about that Stephen Toast part of it, where like the guy they shot this during the day, and then they went off to do like you know Edward the Third. You know, in Scotland, they took a yeah. cool bus to Scotland to do like a a night of theater, Ray the drinking, bloody purchase, the drinking involved. Oh my God! I do want to give a shout out uh, while we're talking about Frankenstein movies to a movie. I don't know if a lot of people saw uh, or even heard of. It came out in 2019. It's called Depraved by uh, a filmmaker I I dig named Larry Fessenden, who's an actor and a movie maker. He's made a lot of horror movies. Um, and this is, I think his latest, maybe second to last film. And it's, a uh, it's a riff on Frankenstein. It's a modernization of it. And, Depraved. uh, it's, okay. it's a, a indie movie, low budget, but they did a great job with what they had. It's really fun. 
I will check that out. Um, well, you know, I, I want to thank you for, for, for coming up with this month, um, of, of movies. Uh, well, well I'm looking you know, forward to the next two. This is a, a world I have not delved into and I'm, and I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad I um, thought you would that based on, you know, how much, how, how fun these are for most actors that I know, like it's a real, they're fun movies for actors to watch. They're candy know? bars. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I had an idea for another, well, next month, of course, is just ruined Tony's life month, maudlin March, but then, um, in, in looking for the movies to destroy your life, I came across a movie that I considered putting in next month, but then decided not to, because it gave me an idea for another month. There's a movie I considered putting in next month uh, called Woman Time 7 with Shirley MacLaine. Do you know it? I, I do because our dad's in it. Our dad's in it, but I've never seen it. Have you oh, seen wow. it? Oh, wow. I have. I have a copy of it. Yeah. Okay. I've never seen it. Um, and I decided, no, let's not put that in the rom-com month because it's not. it's got some rom-com elements from what I understand, but other parts of it are not rom-com. It's, yeah, it's not. Because it's an anthology. Yeah. yeah. But but the idea of um, a Shirley MacLaine playing seven different roles in one movie, I thought, let's do a month of movies where actors play multiple roles in the oh, same Oh, that's movie. a great idea. So we could do this. We could do Joe versus the Volcano, maybe, where, where Meg Ryan plays three roles. Ah, you um, do Dead Ringers. Could do Dead... Yeah. So there's there's a bunch of roles, we, a bunch of movies. That's a great idea. Do, yeah. So we'll we'll get to that. Um but uh, yeah, I have plans for you for next month. It's going to be. I'm really dreading this, man. Yeah. No, I think. I, mean, I, mean, I, 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 you know, because I can't, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know whether you're picking things that you know I'm going to hate or whether you're like picking stuff that you hope I'm going to like. You know, I don't know how I'm, you're I'm doing both. It. I'm picking things that I hope you're going to like and I suspect you're going to hate. <laughs> I'm picking a couple of things that I haven't seen. Mm -hmm. um that are are uh in the rom-com genre okay. that uh that that i don't know all right um one that i love dearly that i think you're gonna loathe so you can crap all over my my heart i may surprise oh. you I, I you know who know i i you, you know because i i don't i certainly don't have any i love comedy and i love you know i certainly love old classic romantic screwball comedies Okay. And so I have a taste for those and some of some of the new modern ones I, I've liked. So, OK, well, we'll see how we'll, it goes. We'll see what happens. Twenty seven dresses, though. No, it's hard. That is not hard. On, no, hard, hard pass. Yeah, hard. Uh, no. So uh, next week uh, we jump into um, the curse of the werewolf. Really excited about this one. Really excited. I've never seen it. Um. It was very hard to find actually for a long time. So I, uh -huh. I, uh, until only until recently was it available to me. And um, it stars somebody that we have some stories we could tell actually next we, show. We do have a story we can tell. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. All right. So um, join us, please, next week for The Curse of the Werewolf and more Hammer Horror. It's not going to stop. It's going to keep on hammering your face until <laughs> you it's done. It. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. 
You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.